welcome to another exciting episode of An American Expat in Prague. My name is Les, and I'm your host. Today, we're covering part two of the interview I did recently with my friend Caitlin, who, as I explained in part one, also recently moved from the United States to Europe. In this exciting episode, we cover two questions. What was the final move to Europe like for you? And what are you going to miss from home? Which becomes a brands and medical discussion. So sit down, relax, grab something to drink, and enjoy the interview. So I'm just wondering, what was that final sort of move I mean, I know you're not in the final move because you're not in, in Wales, you know, and and ready for that. But what was that final, like, okay, I am, my feet are now leaving the United States. <laughs> yeah, and, I, it was weird. I mean, as you know, I travel a lot internationally and throughout Europe. But at the end of every trip, I went back home. And even if it was only for a day before I had to turn around and go somewhere, there was, you know, you have that base, you have that place to come back to and feel like you're at home. And when you leave that last time and you pack everything up and you give your key back and you know that you're, you're not coming back for a while, it feels both kind of freeing like oh my god I'm really doing this but also kind of terrifying because you're like oh my god what am I doing where you know Mm. how comfortable am I going to be what am I you know what am I going to do when I don't know where I'm at or or anybody around me so it was you know both sides of the coin and it kind of flips back and forth you know depending on your mood and how things are going and um I think I was a bit more prepared for it than a lot of people in my position because I'm so used to the traveling and so used to, to the new experiences. And, and, you know, I was pretty comfortable where I was going and I understand, you know, how to reacclimate pretty quickly in those circumstances. But if I had tried to do this three years ago, I'm sure I would have been terrified. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I, that makes complete sense. You know, it, I had only been to Europe myself for nine or 10 days back in 2012. And so my my experience with traveling like that was much more limited. And so I get on a plane, you know, in uh, late, what was that? Late August, or yeah, late August, mid-August in 2017. I get on a plane and then I land in... England and spend two week a week and a half or so in England traveling between three different spots with friends and so again England I can at least communicate with the bus driver yeah you know the the guy in the train and so forth and then I flew over to, to the Netherlands and where they uh, also med- all speak English <laughs> they do speak English yes actually the Netherlands is very strong with English oh yes but um you know, and I spent a week there with our mutual friend, uh, Sebastian. Love Sebastian. Hi, yes. Sebastian. <laughs> yes. Hey, man. So, uh, you know, I spent some time with him and he showed me around parts of his country and that was awesome. And then I got on a train and I made my way to Munich 
for a day and a half. And then from Munich, I went to, came to Prague. And so getting on the train, the Germans speak English usually pretty well. Yes. And, you know, in Germany, you can survive with, with English reasonably well, in, at, at least in the big cities, for in sure. The, in the cities, you can. Yes, I agree yes. with that. And uh, so then I spent, like I said, a, a day in Munich and walked a little bit around the city center in Munich, and it was beautiful, and I enjoyed that. But then I got on what I thought was supposed to be, because I ordered the ticket in California, it was supposed to be a Deutsche Bahn train from Munich to Prague. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be a Chesky Drahi train <laughs> <laughs> operated under Deutsche Bahn sort of control or something. I don't know. So it was, and they were very nice. They were very accommodating. The train, the only the only weird thing was that it was originally an, a, um, you know, several stops along the way, but one shot. When I got on the train, they announced, yes, we have to stop at the border because there is track construction between at the border in and partway into the Czech Republic. So we will put you on a bus <laughs> and then we will drive you halfway across the country and then put you back on the train to take you into Prague. And which was fine. Everything worked. But again, I was struggling with a backpack, a roller bag yep. and stuff. So for me, it was like, oh God, an, an extra step. Yep. Plus, it put put me into the city late, and the language school that I that I was coming for my certificate had arranged for me to get picked up, and and they had said, hey, if you have any trouble, here's the number, call this person, and they will. Well, I didn't know who I was calling, and I was afraid if I call someone who speaks Czech, what am I going to say? And so finally, he called me to say, where are you? I'm at the train station, and that's when I had to tell him, oh, I'm sorry, I should have called you. I'll be there in about an hour because of this. And he didn't speak enough where I could explain it. So it was a little awkward. I I can sympathize know. with that entirely. Uh, I've had situations where because of planes coming in, people that are supposed to pick us up are trying to call us, but we're, you know, in airplane mode and can't get through. And I, I can totally sympathize. And like I said, you know, if I had never experienced that before, if I had to deal with that coming in for my first time moving to a new country, I, I would have died. So kudos to you for getting through that well. Yes, thanks. Thanks. It actually worked out fine. And I and I even though I can often be very shy, especially, you know, talking to someone in a foreign language or trying to speak to someone when I know that they may not be able to understand me, but I tend to be a little bit more adventurous over the last, say, six or seven years. And so, you know, it was exciting to me to be to watch the seat, you know, by on on train, I could watch the countryside go by. And as soon as we hit the border with the Czech Republic, there were casinos everywhere. (laughs) I mean, you know, they're not fancy. They're not Las Vegas casinos, but the the Czechs seem to like their gambling. I will tell you, it was quite (laughs) different for me. To it's, see, it's you know, interesting then, to watch outside out the windows of the trains because you can often tell when you hit a new country. It's it's very interesting when you when you get to do that for the first time. Yes, yes, and you know now I've done not as much as I would like, but I've done enough traveling and been on trains out you know out of the Czech Republic and bus service out of the Czech Republic in different places around Europe. So. 
for me now traveling is just like for you it's secondhand yeah you know and I just say okay I'm gonna go to Berlin and when I get into the city center I'll get off and I'll figure it out yeah you know and I don't even think much about it I just know well I'll have wi-fi it'll work exactly yeah that that fear eventually kind of diminishes but until you know that you can do it on your own you're so reliant on other people and the you know in cues and when those cues aren't english and other people aren't somebody you know aren't something you can rely on you know that fear kicks in that oh my god i'm on my own you're not you'll always be able to find somebody to help you or or something that you need but that initial fear is something to really get over i think yes and i've actually had that here because uh i was traveling to vienna for something and i was taking the there's a a czech bus service uh it has different names but it's known i think it's mostly known as uh student agency they you may have seen them occasionally they go through Paris and other parts of Europe, but they're big yellow buses, double deck. Um, well, I, they're not double deck, sorry, but they're, they're these nice new motor coaches and they're reasonably comfortable, I should say. And I was going from Ch- Prague to Vienna and we had to change in the Czech Republic's second largest city, Brno. And I was leaving on a Thursday and I left city center here in Prague at five o'clock, which is prime time traffic. Yeah. And so there was heavy traffic going down the D1, which is the main highway through the Czech Republic. And so we were about an hour late getting to Brno. And when I got to Brno, I had to change buses for a bus coming from Poland, going through Czech Republic and ending up in Vienna. And that bus was behind uh, a big traffic accident somewhere north of Brno that apparently was something that disrupted the, the, the highway for something like three or four hours. Oh. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of Brno at eight o'clock at night and I know nothing about the city, you know, and, and Brno's big enough that I could probably find people who would speak English uh, compared to some other parts of the Czech Republic. Like I said, English is popular, but you get anywhere away from the bigger cities and if you can speak a little bit of Czech, people will then try to speak English if they know it. Sounds like but, France. Yes. But if you if you don't speak any Czech, they are probably going to be a, not necessarily belligerent, but they won't be as helpful. Some will, of course. But there's this general sort of, you know, experience that foreigners have that you say, yeah, you get outside of Prague and you're kind of screwed. Yeah. So... So, you know, and, and now I'm on my phone with one of my Czech friends who I believe she's from Brno originally. And she was, you know, she was texting me back, walking me off the ledge by saying, Les, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. There will be another bus. You will find you'll be fine. And sure enough, another bus. I was able to get into Vienna. Everything worked out. But for about 20 minutes, I was a little bit on edge. So I, I can totally sympathize with that situation (laughs) yeah but since then now i've had a lot more experience i think i would be a much less likely unless i was traveling in a country that i knew had little less uh was a little less friendly to americans let's say not that i have go to dangerous places but yeah anyway all right so 
what do you think you're going to miss from home? <sighs> Aside um, from, I know, friends and family, that's everybody's, yeah. right? We, I mean, there are some family that I am happy not to have to look at anymore. <laughs> well, I won't say that, but I can sympathize <laughs> with that sentiment. I understand. I, understand. Um, I don't know. I, there's already things that I miss. Um, little things more than, than big things. And it's, it's weird. I, I come from Maryland and lived in both Maryland and Virginia. So I'm technically considered a bit Southern. So there's some, some Southern staples of things that, you know, you just don't really get over here. Um, cuisine wise, I guess is, is kind of the, the thing that I miss the most. Um, and definitely Mexican food. Um, (laughs) that really doesn't exist here. Um, but you know, there's, there's little things more, more so it's, you know, like brands of certain stuff. I, you know, like Tide detergent. I know that sounds so stupid, but I've always had it growing up. You know, it's just like, a something that is standard in my life and then all of a sudden you don't have it and it's different and it but you don't really think about it until it's not there yes um i i don't know it's 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 kind of weird because i've been living over here for so long there's not a lot that I miss in the way of creature comforts because I've actually gotten more used to the way things are here. I miss big refrigerators. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. That's one that I do miss. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it's so just, just little things like that. Uh, but I, I can't say that there's a lot that right now I'm missing. Okay. I'm sure that more stuff will come up as the, you know, the longer that I'm not there, but I'm still okay for now. <laughs> sure. I understand. And I had the same, same experience, but I've also found, and you've probably found this to be true as well, that there are certain brands that are just here. You yes. know, I, I, I mean, I'm a crest, I was a crest toothpaste guy for my entire life. Right. And there is no Crest toothpaste in the Czech Republic. They have Colgate. They have multiple varieties of Colgate, but they do not have Crest. So I had to grit my teeth <laughs> yep. and, and get the Colgate. But, you know, so they have, and, and they have other brands. My shampoo brand is here, you know. Uh, mine isn't. Okay, I miss that. Okay, sure. And, and, <laughs> and now, you know, I understand that that's a personal item that is very important. And you you will possibly find an equivalent brand in terms of what it gives you, you know, but that's obviously you're in France. So you have to wait until you go to Britain or yeah. to Wales before you can exactly. act- actually settle, settle in on a brand. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing, I guess, another thing that I do miss is um, a standardization of what I know is, as over-the-counter medicine. And okay. I know, again, that probably sounds weird, but with a language barrier, it is more difficult to talk about medical things. 
Yes. Um, and so even trying to talk to somebody at the pharmacy and just say, I need seasonal allergy medication is kind of difficult because I don't know what brands they use. Nothing that I rec- recognize, yes. you know, and it's kind of like, if I could just go in and see something that I recognize in that line, that'd be fabulous. But so I, I, I have had issues with that, that I do miss seeing, okay. seeing those brands. Yeah. I, I guess I have to think about that one a little bit more. Now I'm going to be nostalgic for things I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I mean, for me, I understand with the, the medications and there's an, an added layer here because except for, they don't even call it Tylenol here. Paracetamol. Paracetamol. And the brand in the Czech Republic is Paralen. Okay. Right. But it's Tylenol. It's, you know, yeah. so you have to know that. And luckily, some of the younger workers at the at the pharmacies here know enough. And so if you say Tylenol, they say, oh, yes, it's par- Paracetamol, Paralen. This, yeah. this is Tylenol. So they, they understand that. So that, that, uh, but the thing is that if you go to a drugstore here, it's like a wall, like a Walgreens, you know, and they will have, um, diapers and they will have household cleaning products and shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, shaving, all of those items and cosmetics, all of those things, but they do not sell they're not actually drug stores. They don't sell <laughs> drugs at all. They don't have a drug counter. They, and, I mean, occasionally there might be one that has that, but I've never seen it. So you have and separate apothecaries? Basically, yes. Yeah. You have to go to, to, here in Czech, it's known as a Lakarna. So you have to go to a Lakarna and you can, you can buy Paralen at the, the, the Walgreens equivalent and you can buy some vitamins there but that's about it yeah Um, that's very similar to how it is here in france and how it is in the netherlands yes Um, yeah it's a very european model for for how they do it and again once you get used to it it's fine if you can get through the language barrier but um you know if there if you do have anything complicated because when i when i moved here i had some medical problems that I was going through, um, um, some hospitalizations. So when I moved here, I was on medication and I ended up having to see a doctor while I was here. And thankfully it worked out fine and, you know, everything was, was smooth, but there was a level of anxiety there because it's like, Oh God, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to communicate properly. Even if this doctor speaks English on a general level, you know, it's it's not going to be easy and it wasn't easy but it worked but yeah so i i that's one thing that i definitely miss is like a standardization of <laughs> medical stuff and understanding it and communicating it properly sure yeah i mean i've i've had the misfortune of breaking both of my arms a year apart here in prague i remember and yeah you know and i have high blood pressure so i have to get that renewed and luckily, you know, medicine is medicine. Yeah. And so, and the doctors, and the other lucky thing for me is one of my private students, she is one of the sort of administrative managers for a, I think they're more of a private uh, healthcare entity. So like a, like an outpatient surgery and 
you know, medical center without the hospital attached sure. type of medical place. So you can go, you know, have rehab and see a cardiologist, you know, that kind of situation. So because I teach her, she's very happy to help me. And so she hooked me up with her cardiologist and I do have the state uh, run health plan. It's not really state run. The healthcare here is, it is private insurance, but the, the money is paid by the state to the insurance companies. Okay. I, I believe that how, or no, I guess I do make the payments directly to the company, but they all basically have to offer the same sort of level of care. Yeah. And so you sure. make your monthly payment, but then when you go to a doctor or a hospital, most of the items, especially when they're, you know, a broken arm or a visit to a cardiologist for blood pressure medication and that kind of thing, there's no bill. Yeah. There, you know, there's no copay. Yeah. And yeah, they I hand mean, you they hand you a prescription or here they actually do prescriptions via text. Oh, so it's so amazing. And not only that, but then you know how you buy uh, well, like we buy Tylenol, it's usually in a bottle. Yeah. But but um, sometimes you can get it in those little blister foil packs, right? Everything's blisters here. Yes. Yeah. They don't count medicine into bottles here at all. No, which and, I love. And yes. then speed up the process of being at the pharmacy dramatically. Yeah. Yes. The first time I got my three-month supply, which is what they give you here, I don't know about in France or in England, but three-month supply is your normal prescription she said, oh, yeah, we have that. And she walked around the corner. I watched her open a drawer in the back. She pulled three little boxes out, brought them up to the counter, zapped them with her little, you know, payment gun, and then said, you know, that's 150. She said, no. She said, I'm sorry. That's unfortunately, that's 90 crowns. Now, a crown, it's 25 crowns to the dollar. There you go. So I paid for three months worth of my generic prescription, which in the States, I was lucky to be paying around 10 to $15 a month. So not bad comparatively, but here a three month supply ends up costing you basically a dollar 50 a month. Is If you work out the mathematics. Yeah. And, and they said, you know, this is an older formula. If you were on a newer blood pressure medication, that's actually free. <laughs> and you're just like, wait, what? I, I've also had very good experiences with that kind of a thing here, which is very lucky. Uh, yes. I, I am not a resident, so I'm not uh, eligible for insurance yet. Uh, once I get residency in the UK, when I have a house there, then I will apply for the National Health Care Service, which is, having looked into it, quite cheap for m several years. Um, but even having to pay out of pocket for medications and for the doctor's visits, you know, I can see a doctor get a prescription for, you know, 20, 25 euros, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Yes. So yet another reason why, you know, I like the idea of moving here. Uh, you know, it just doesn't hurt to, you know, have a medical system that actually is usable. Right. Yes. 
So you may have noticed an abrupt ending to that last part. We were talking and finished up, and then we just went on to the next question. And then when I decided to split this episode up, it just felt like there was this awkward cut. So I apologize for that, but there it is. So that's um, part two. I hope you enjoyed it. Part three will cover two questions. Uh, Do you think things are better or worse for you now living in Europe? And finally, what is the one piece of advice you would give someone who is considering a move overseas? So I hope you guys are looking forward to that. I had fun, as I said, talking with Caitlin, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. So this is the part where I thank you for listening and plug all the things. You can email me at historykid at yahoo.com. That's H-S-T-R-Y-K-I-D at yahoo.com with any questions or complaints and especially with any suggestions for future topics for the podcast. Also, I'd appreciate if you could rate the podcast in, in Apple Podcasts or wherever you've found the show and leave a review. It helps me to grow the show. Last but not least, if you like what I'm doing and feel like you are getting any value from this podcast, please consider supporting me via Patreon at www.patreon.com slash aeprog. That's A-E-P-R-A-G-U-E. I would greatly appreciate your support. Until next time, be safe and be kind. Cheers. Cheers.